Hello, everyone, and, and thank you for joining today's conference call. I'm Ami Copeland, Executive Director of Business Forward, and I'll be moderating our conversation today. Currently, our, all lines are in listen-only mode. We are pleased to welcome Ms. Elizabeth Zimmerman, the Associate Administrator at FEMA's Office of Response and Recovery. She's here to talk about El Nino and how, may, how it might affect your business and the economy. For those of you who are new to our programming, Business Forward organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings for tens of thousands of local business leaders across America. At these briefings, entrepreneurs, investors, small business owners, and executives like you get the chance to brief policy, policymakers on issues affecting their businesses, on how to create jobs, and on how Washington can work with business to accelerate our economy. To date, more than 450 senior administration officials, members of Congress, governors, mayors, and local elected officials have participated in our programming. Before we get started, I'd like to go over a few housekeeping items. First, today's call is on the record and press may be present. Later today, you will also receive a recording of this call in case you'd like to listen to it again or forward it to some of your colleagues. Second. This is an interactive phone briefing, and there will be time for you to ask questions and share comments with, after Ms. Zimmerman's remarks. You can participate in one of two ways. You can press 1 at any time to be entered into the queue to ask your question live, or you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. Again, you can press 1 to be entered into the queue to ask your question live, or you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. Please include your name, business, and location in your message if you email the question. If you ask a question live, please introduce yourself with your business and where you are calling from. We will get in as many questions as we can. Okay, now let's, let's get started. Please welcome Ms. Elizabeth Zimmerman, Associate Administrator at FEMA's Office of Response and Recovery. Ms. Zimmerman. Thank you, Ami, thank and you. thank you to Dad. Business Forward for the invitation to come speak to you and to many members of your organization. Uh, I've been here at FEMA since 2009, and prior to that, I served in emergency management for both the states of Utah and Arizona for over 20 years. So emergency management is what I do, um, and it is my passion, and I always, always appreciate being able to share um, insights um, and to also learn from others uh, about things that actions that they're taking, uh, especially when it comes to the business community. I want to note first off that the business community is a very important part of the whole community. Um, when it comes to emergency management, it's not just government. In fact, government um, does um, probably the smallest piece of it when it comes to recovery from disasters and, and how communities do recover and the important aspects that we hold that the business community to make sure that they get back up and running following disasters. So appreciate this conversation today. And I'll just start out with looking at El Nino right now as we are in the middle of February um, and all the discussions with El Nino going on since um, early fall. So looking at El Nino, um, most people know that it's an unusually a weather pattern that's an unusually warm ocean temperatures along the equator in the Pacific Ocean um, and the important consequences for weather and the climate in the United States, especially during the winter. 
uh, as El Nino grows and we've seen global impacts um, from it already with temperatures higher than normal um, for any of you in California have been experiencing those um, as well as the precipitation patterns across the United States um, and, and it will continue over the next few months. Um, we will see and we have seen um, from El Nino um, increased rainfall uh, flooding in many parts of the country along the, the whole west coast from Washington state on down uh, and across the, the southern part of the United States. And this, we ex expect this to continue uh, to note uh, that you may hear forecasters already saying that El Nino is on its way out, but the impacts from El Nino will continue for many months and into, um, into late spring. As we look, uh, the areas uh, also with the increased flood risk for El Nino um, as it's a direct result of the drought that's been experienced in California for the last uh, four, four or so years, um, as well as the wildfires that have impacted and the impacts when the rain falls on those uh, burn scar areas in the wildfires. So the drought um, creates the, the ground not being able to um, absorb the rainwater um, and the flash flooding, other things that happen as a cause of the rainfall, um, as well as the landscape and the ground conditions. Um, all this increases the risk of flooding um, in and around burn areas, downstream areas. And so as we look for all of the consequences of a flood and rain that can happen very quickly in certain areas. Severe weather related to this um, can interrupt utilities. Uh, we see a lot of that with the above ground utility systems, um, supply chains resulting in business interruption uh, when road, gets clo road closures due to landslides, flooding, and all of that. So many impacts from El Nino. Like I say, the, the key part of that is that El Nino is, is going to continue for some months, um, and we haven't seen the worst of it. Uh, also uh, produces tornadoes in the southeast um, and all along those areas, and can also produce tornadoes in areas where we don't normally see tornadoes. So that is another big thing to watch out for um, and has lots of impacts. So we at FEMA are closely monitoring the effects of El Nino, um, using it in our planning efforts, working very closely with the state of California as well as many of the south and western states um, to make sure that they have what they need um, for decision making and to make their preparations um, not only as a government but as a whole community with public sector um, included. What I'd like to do is I want to focus on some actions that you can take as businesses um, to be prepared um, and to prepare your employees. So a number of things to make sure, as we all say, um, if your employees aren't at business, um, as government workers aren't at business, government doesn't run, businesses don't run. And so how do we keep our families and individuals that work for us um, better prepared so that they can take care of themselves in an El Nino event as in any disaster? and to also avoid the, to whatever they can do to reduce the risk of property damages and property losses uh, to both businesses and, and individuals' homes. So I would encourage you, um, if you haven't already, to go to ready.gov um, and then if you search on businesses and you can get to know what to do um, for your business to look at hazards, how you can plan in advance, um, find out what others have done what you can do to prevent loss of life, property, disruption to your businesses, for, for individuals, as I said, and your business. Um, making sure that you have a business continuity plan and make sure that your employees know what your business continuity plan is. 
If you, you need to make sure that they are educated in what it is you as a business are going to be doing, as well as the expectation for them um, and how they can participate and they, how they are a part of it. So you need to know what to do in the event of any severe weather. As I spoke about the tornadoes that can happen at any time, uh, for folks in the Midwest, it's very common for them to have tornadoes, but where is, where is the safe shelter um, in times of tornadoes which can be produced? So those are things that should be part of your business plan. Um, and also you can also find out more information about um, business planning at the ready.gov um, backslash business. Um, also, Small Business Administration also has uh, preparemybusiness.org. You can look up online and find out more information for small businesses. Uh, the key, I believe, is that you want to make sure your uh, business uh, stays in business. Uh, and you need to be thinking about that before the incident happens. Uh, throughout my career, I've seen many businesses have to close their doors, um, especially when it comes to small businesses in times of disaster. If a small business is not open for two or three days, can greatly impact their revenues and can actually close their doors permanently. So what are they doing in advance of a disaster so that they themselves can stay open, um, have the resources and a plan for how they get themselves open as well as any employee that they may have working for them. So it's important also to develop and update employee communications plans. If you can't communicate with your employees uh, following a disaster, will they know what to do? Will they know what's expected of them? It's key that communicating with all employees, um, big or small businesses, uh, is important so that they understand what's important. Um, also to make sure that they and their families are prepared for disasters such as an, and having an emergency kit um, as well as what important papers they need to have on hand and any valuables in a safe place um, that won't get flooded in cases like an El Nino and floodwaters. So it's important to make sure that your employees are encouraged to have a communications plan. Uh, if they become separated as families, how are they going to reunify? Um, is there a, a relative outside of town that they would all connect with? Um, if that happens, we all know cell phones these days are the primary use of communications, but how are they going to communicate um, if phone lines are down um, and you can't get out? So looking at alternative ways of communicating and staying connected during disasters. Just to have those conversations to get people thinking about it is the first step for that. Uh, when it comes back to FEMA and our El Nino, uh, FEMA.gov. Uh, backslash El Nino, or if you just go on to FEMA.gov, put in the search box El Nino, you'll get additional information on FEMA. Also our states, many of the states have been working on their El Nino plans uh, as a follow-on to their drought planning efforts um, and to really look at the business and individual preparedness resources that are there. So it would encourage folks once again to reach out through FEMA.gov. So what else can you do in advance of a potential disaster coming your way and flood specifically with El Nino? And the number one thing you can do is look at flood insurance and buy flood insurance. Uh, when it comes to individuals and businesses, uh, primary you know, means of insurance, um, it usually doesn't cover flood. So really looking at the flood insurance and being able to uh, be covered from disasters. Uh, you have to remember that disasters hit. FEMA's programs do not cover businesses. 
um, that would go back to the Small Business Administration and loans. Um, but when it comes to individuals, so each of you and your households, uh, what you can do for disasters, uh, what FEMA comes in and takes care of, we want to make sure that people understand when they see FEMA come in to help out individuals and disaster survivors, the most that we can give any one uh, household is only $33,000. And I think if you all take a look, um, your house is worth more than $33,000. So making sure individuals are properly insured for all uh, perils that could impact them when it comes to disasters. We have seen in California uh, the flood insurance uh, with El Nino and the discussion there uh, that the flood insurance claims or the flood insurance um, purchasing of insurance policies uh, has risen um, almost 60,000 policies in three months were purchased and written in California and we're seeing a number of more and more um, home homeowners looking at buying their insurance policies um, there so that's very important um, so with all of the rains in California, you might ask, so how many people have um, made claims against their policies? And in January of this year, we saw 127 flood claims um, submitted in California, requested. Uh, in the previous January, which was not an El Nino year, there was one. Um, so looking at that, it's still not high numbers, but it sure is nice to know that you can have your flood insurance. Um, it can be covered and it will help you to recover and, and stay in your home and be able to do that. So we really encourage um, everyone to seriously look at flood insurance, find out what it would really cost you. Um, don't listen to the rumors, but really do your own investigation work to find out how much flood insurance would cost you based on where you live and how you work. So um, flood insurance um, is an important resource um, that folks should really take a serious look at. and. Um, if you visit floodsmart.gov, uh, you can learn more about flood insurance. Um, so what is it we do here at FEMA? Um, and I have two gentlemen sitting with me here that are run our private sector division. So this is something that has been very important to all of us um, here at FEMA is to make sure, as I mentioned up front, the whole community is involved in disasters. Um, whether it's response, recovery, preparation, mitigation, prevention, um, it takes all of us working together. So our private sector division here is working with the different private sector networks, uh, major employers, chambers of commerce, state trade, professional organizations, state and local networks, um, folks just like uh, Business Forward, so that we too can be connected because in times of disaster, we don't want to come in and be overstepping where businesses are already up and running. We want to make sure communities recover quickly um, and that their businesses is the key to that and to make sure the economy of those communities continues. So through our National Business Emergency Operations Center, we share vital information um, and have many, many partners, hundreds of partners um, that are connected with us so that we can get information when disasters happen anywhere in this country. Note, FEMA is a domestic agency, um, and so wherever it happens in this country, we want to make sure that we have the best information so that we are working together and not against each other when it comes to times of disasters and getting commodities out to our disaster survivors. We also have, as an agency, 10 regions across the country. Um, also, uh, we have offices in Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, um, and so 
places that that you know so we're we're spread out throughout the country to work with you on a regional basis as well as at the national headquarters level here so we look forward to to working with you all um, and having folks sign up um, to be part of our um, business sector here and to be part of our business operations center so I've I've gone on I think to to share what I want to share up front and I'm looking forward to a dialogue I would like to see what um, cha any changes that any of the businesses have seen um, based on El Nino. Um, those of you that might have been impacted, uh, whether it be tornadoes in the southeast or, or the rains and floods and landslides we've had in the west, um, as well as any preparations that folks have taken. So, Ami, I will turn it back over to you um, and to facilitate this, and I look forward to discussion. Thank you so much, Ms. Zimmerman. Uh, now, as she had mentioned, we will open it up to your questions and your comments. If you have a question, please press 1 to speak live on the call, or you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. Remember to in introduce yourself with your business and where you are calling from. And again, you know, please press 1 if you have a question or a comment, and we'll be sure to uh, go ahead and call upon you. Uh, we have a question submitted by, from Ross Jones in San Diego, uh, and the question is, are there any other weather events that we should keep an eye on for 2016? Um, so, I mean, it's, we have our seasons, as we refer to them, hurricane season. Last year we had the most active hurricane season in the Pacific, uh, which um, California did feel some of those impacts. Uh, but we always say that it's always earthquake season, um, and especially for um, someone in San Diego. Um, so, so that, but we're seeing things um, with the, the changes in climate um, and the way that the, the um, rising of the, the seas and, and all of that. So. Many different things, but at this point, um, our big focus is on the El Nino um, and the impacts of that still, um, as well as the drought, because even with all the rain that is coming into California, they are still in a major drought, and it will take years of rain before they are out of a drought situation. Um, also, the wildfires, because of the drought, makes it much more difficult to fight the fires because of the impacts of the droughts on the trees and in the forest. Excellent, thank you. And we're going to go live to our next uh, next questioner, and this is Stephen Graham uh, calling from, unsurprisingly, Los Angeles, California. Stephen, your line's open. Yeah, hi, Stephen Graham, a CEO, principal, and CEO advisor in Los Angeles. When El Nino comes, if it ever does come, it's a series of day after day after day of inch or two inches or three inches of rain. It's nine. We had a little taste of it. And what does FEMA suggest is the best way to deal with that kind of condition rather than a huge downpour that breaks down roads and everything? This is a, a consistent rain over 30 days where it just doesn't stop. And where do they see the first breakdowns after that kind of a rain? And what is their actual forecast of us ever having an El Nino here? So I would have to rely on, on NOAA and, I mean, the, the – the El Nino is still active um, throughout the country, so when it would happen, I'm, I am not Mother Nature. Um, so 
anticipate we still have to be planning for it. And like you say, it is those days and days of rain constant. So then you've got to be prepared for the landslides, um, be prepared for road closures as things do get muddied up um, and it gets it disrupts traffic flow. It can take out power lines that are above ground, below ground, um, looking at utilities, so those types of things. So I would encourage you for specifics on how to be prepared for actually any event um, is really go to ready.gov uh, and you can look on for businesses. If you put in the search box businesses or if you have a particular type of event, um, put that into the search box to see how you can prepare your business for disasters as well as you as a, as a homeowner, as a resident of that area, what actions you can take in advance to make sure that you have food and water for 72 hours, um, to be prepared to, to live without power for some period of time. Um, if the power goes out, and if it, the waters you know, rise to make sure that your home, whether your home is in a floodplain or not, you get that much rain. If you were there, Stephen, before in the rains, when it just kept coming down, there was nowhere for the water to go. So you have to be prepared for that and prepared to keep your family and yourself safe as well as your business. Great, thank you. Our next question is going to be uh, it was submitted online, but before that, again, I'd like to remind folks, if you'd like to ask a question, please press 1 to speak live, or you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. And our next question is actually from Rafael Lopez in Miami, Florida. And is there such a thing as being overprepared? And if so, or and to that, you know, what percentage of revenue or time should I dedicate to emergency preparedness? Thank you, Raphael. Um, so yeah, so I I've never heard somebody say they were too prepared for a disaster. Um, I've only heard of people saying that they were thankful when they were prepared enough. Um, whether it's preparing for the hurricane that's coming in, with the hurricane shutters. Uh, tornadoes to make sure you have a safe place and everybody in your family and your business knows where that safe place is. Um, if you don't have a safe place, looking and investing into a safe room. Um, that is key when it comes to wind-driven events um, that could really impact the building structure that you are in. So don't see anybody being too prepared. As far as a percentage of what you should be investing in disaster preparedness, um, you need to be taking a look at the lives that can be saved by and the, what your business is worth and, and how much you can afford to lose um, after a disaster to know how much you should be putting in before the disaster. Great. Thank you. Um, we have one more question submitted online. Again, if you'd like to ask your questions, please press 1 to ask your question uh, live or you can submit it to info at businessfwd.org. Um, this is from Jennifer Davis in Houston, Texas. Um, and the question is, oh, sorry, is this El Nino stronger than in years past? Uh, and if so, is, does that in part due to climate change? So um, this El Nino, as um, I believe it was Stephen from LA that was talking about the, the rain that hasn't hit um, as the El Ninos do come in 
um, and typically bring in a couple inches of rain every day, just a constant flow. Um, so we haven't seen that yet, as well as the tornado impacts that we generally see in the southeast. So still waiting for that. We have had several tornadoes, if you do look um, around the southeast, but um, to the impacts that we had in the previous El Nino um, with I believe it was five or six really deadly tornadoes and took many lives um, years ago. So as, as I opened up with, this El Nino is not over yet. Um, so just because we're moving into the end of February, we're moving into March, and people believe that we're moving into springtime, El Nino is not over. And once again, I cannot predict the, what's going to happen, um, but we have to be prepared because we know it can happen. Great, thank you. And to our next question, we're going to go live to Yolanda Greer in Detroit, Michigan. Yolanda, your line's open. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. Listen, I was a victim of a flood storm here in Michigan, and there were no warnings. As um, the speaker has stated, um, we are not Mother Nature. And one just never knows when you will be in this predicament. And during this flood here in Michigan, we were flooded from the Detroit regional area, um, the surrounding suburbs. At that time, I was living in Oak Park, Michigan. And I remember coming down the street, and it was flooded everywhere. So I parked my car and literally walked around the block and fell down in the water, broke my toe, um, dropped my laptop, which was in a case that was water damaged. The home I was living in, rental property, flooded. And so those are the repercussions that one may go through uh, when these floods come. And again, as the speaker stated, Mother Nature decides what happens on this earth. And I know our scientists are diligently working, our meteorologists are diligently working to help assist us, um, as well as FEMA and the um, disaster uh, departments to help assist us in preparing for this. So again, one can never be ready enough um, when this happens. Who would have thought that I would have fell down, broke my toe, um, water damage, uh, basements flooded. And then there was the after effect, um, the ripple effects where there were rodents in the streets. And rodents um, eat wires under cars. So these are things that can happen. And one never has control over that. And you don't know what's going to happen when it comes. So to that I say, just be ye ready. Um, no one never knows. And hopefully, hopefully, Working together as partners in the community, as our speaker has stated, we can work together and share this information and be more enlightened and informed in to helping assist one another in the event that these uh, situations occur. So I would ask the speaker, um, how can we as business owners in our communities get um, someone into like a business setting meeting where we can inform um, the communities in which we serve, uh, our churches, our businesses, um, communities, our senior buildings, things of that nature. How can we get the information where someone can come out and speak? 
I know we're on the webinar, but senior citizens are more apt to, maybe most of them are apt to listen to someone in person and feel more personalized when, when we do these things. So how can that happen for us here in Michigan? Hi, this is uh, Rob Glenn. I'm the private sector division director and work uh, with Ms. Zimmerman. Uh, so there are a couple of things I think that you're asking for, um, and, and the first is, you know, what's the what's the role of the the business uh, within a community? We know that uh, businesses are the prime economic drivers of the community, and they serve as community leaders. So I think as we look at El Nino and other uh, hazards or, or threats to the community, certainly that's uh, I think a call to action for the business community. Uh, to really galvanize the community and raise awareness about the risks uh, to the community from uh, an all-hazards approach. Uh, the second thing is, is the importance of local emergency management. You know, we're, we're at FEMA, you know, we're sitting in the National Response Coordination Center in, in, in Washington, D.C. There are FEMA regions, there are 10 of them, and there are private sector liaisons uh, in every single region that work with uh, businesses of all sizes, both for preparedness and then also for operational coordination. But really, at the end of the day, you know, the conventional wisdom, and I think the truth is, is that all disasters are local. And so as you're talking about uh, different ways that uh, uh, the business leaders uh, uh, can get engaged and certainly other, uh, other aspects of the whole community, that's really you know, a, a great opportunity to reach out to your local emergency manager, uh, both at the city level and then also at the county level. Uh, and then there are some in between because that emergency manager to business leader uh, relationship is, can really uh, serve as a, um, as a, as a resilience point uh, within the community well before the disaster even happens. Excellent. Thank you, Rob. Uh, we're going to take our last question that is actually submitted online, and this is from Tamla Fish in Marin, California. Um, I'm Tamala Fish in San Francisco. I am a climate communicator and a CERT in my community. In areas that we have extreme events, reestablishing communications is key. My question is, do you have any suggestions for public existing emergency communication strategies? I have a solar charger, a key contacts, message plan, and excellent knowledge peer-to-peer -peer communications. I would suggest others to do the same for the business. Um, so the question is, are there any other actions that she should be taking or, or others should be taking uh, on top of what she is obviously very well prepared for already? So thank you. So Tam for Tamala, um, it, it's good. Everybody, like I said up front, everybody now these days uses the cell phones and has access to that to make sure that you have ways of charging. Cell phones is important um, because when it comes down to it, then we also find out that text messaging is the thing that survives. Um, and when you have the phone lines are um, overloaded and you can't get through on those. So it's really to, to have a way to get the word out to somebody to let them know that you're safe um, when it comes to disasters and the redundancy is important. When it comes to it at the end of the day, when we test our communication system, uh, if you have access to, to radios, um, two-way communication radios, such as the ham radio operators, um, groups that are in communities when, uh, when disaster happens, but knowing that the old-fashioned plug-and-use telephones um, are the ones that are most reliable because they do not require the electricity 
Um, and so making sure that homes that have access to that and to be able to have a phone that you can plug in that does not require electricity and is not digital in that means. So just making sure that you have, you know, ways to, to charge phones, um, extra batteries um, as we promote in all of our kits for to keep things up and running. Uh, and to also go online to FEMA.gov and there's other other ways to make sure as you're looking at a communications plan, um, things that you might need. Excellent. Thank you, Ms. Zimmerman. And that is all we have time for today. Please check your email for a post-event post survey where you can let us know what you thought of today's call. We'll also include res the resources discussed today, floodsmart.gov, fema.gov, slash El Nino, backslash El Nino, ready.gov, and prepare my business Dot org, uh, where you can learn more about how to prepare your business for severe weather events and also obtain a recording of today's call. We hope you can join us this Friday for another conversation that we are going to be having, this time with John Holdren, Director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House. He will be discussing federal investments in clean energy technology. So again, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us for today's call, and especially to Ms. Zimmerman and Mr. Hall, or Mr. Glenn uh, at FEMA and everyone else who joined. We look forward to working with you all again soon. Thank you all so much for your time, and especially to you, Ms. Zimmerman. Thank you. Thank you.